It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Let's lock in. This is Unrivaled. Yes! Yes! The teams you live for. The sports you love. With Scott Mitchell and Alex Keurig. Presented by G2G Bars. On 97.5 B KSL Sports Zone. All right, everybody, welcome on in. It's Unrivaled, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Alex Keery, former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to my left. We are at the warehouse here in Salt Lake City, 1825 South, 300 West. We got to jump right into the show here. The cut is where we open everything up here right at the uh, top of the hour, and that's what we're going to do right here. Let's jump right to it. The other question. Undeniable, unrivaled. Top sports story of the hour. Here's what made the cut. All right, the cut presented by G2G bars, all natural ingredients, no preservatives, uh, plenty of protein. If you have not tried a G2G bar yet, you go ahead and do it. Costco, Associated Foods, Holiday Oil, Maverick. Uh, you can find them all there in the refrigerated section. So there you go. Uh, they've uh, they've made a change to uh, college football this year. They have. What is yeah, it? Just ha- just uh, actually passed. Uh, so, uh, there's no more after a team gets a first down stopping the clock until so the last two minutes. Right. So an incomplete pass on a first down, the clock, the clock keeps going, right? Yeah. Even on that. So like you get a first down, normally they set the chains, then the whistle play, uh, how do they goes. find it? Like that's so a, now that it just, seems it like just a, keeps going. That seems like an interesting, uh, it seems weird. One, like I don't know how they they feel like they're gonna they're gonna recoup so much more time with that, um, or make these games shorter. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about player safety, and they're talking about making these games a little yeah. bit shorter. I'm all for making the, the the game a little bit more consumable, right? Sure. Uh, we won't ever cut off uh, a couple commercials here or there. <laughs> like that's out of the question. No. We will cut the game, and we will cut the game only. Uh, and when we'll say it's going to be for uh, player safety, and then uh, I used to hate the game I used to hate TV timeouts, you know, because like they kick it, they kick the ball off, and then you're you're ready to run on the field and let's go, right? Right, sure. And then they go, no, 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 we're going to have a timeout. I was, I and was... so I would purposely stand on the sideline mm-hmm. and wait till play was resumed, and then I would go on the field, okay? Because I didn't want to sit in the huddle for two and a half minutes waiting for a commercial, because <laughs> you're just in there like. See, and and, it, and a... it just totally disrupts the rhythm of everything. So it's, uh, okay, play's called. I run on the field, call the play, boom, just like you normally would. Uh, it's really weird, too, because you think about, 
of all the changes they could make to the game and the fact that it takes an act of Congress usually to make those changes, like to have it just said, hey, by the way, we're uh, – no They've, more stopping the clock on first down. So since 1968, that's how long this rule's been in place. Since 1968. Wow. Yeah. You know, uh, I was just thinking of running on the field. Um, th- there was another superstition I had. Well, oh, what was it? So you, on the sideline, they have two liquid replenishing options. Yeah. Water, water Gatorade. Yeah. Now they right? got the pickle juice. On well, the, the pickle juice is for when you get cramps. And sure. that really works, it by the work, way. Yes. It's, a, it's a massive. So, so – how you had to do this is you, as you're coming off the field, you wanted to drink Gatorade. Okay. Because Gatorade, believe it or not, was kind of filling. And you didn't want to have that full feeling when you were going wow. back on the field. That's the dumbest superstition I've ever heard. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not. And then, and then if you're... You know, Gatorade is... Then if you're going on the field, <laughs> then you drank water. So... Coming off, Gatorade, why th- going why, on, water. Why haven't I heard on the Gatorade commercials? Plus, <laughs> it's filling. <laughs> Compare, Tastes great, more filling. Let me just tell you, that, when you you're football in a game, players, no, your no, superstitions no, no, no. are no, it's not whack, super, dude. It's not superstition. When you're in a game, the slightest uh, variance in, like, your stomach and what was going on <laughs> had a massive impact. You, plus, you were a thrower-upper, weren't you? No, I wasn't a thrower-upper. Oh, okay. No. But we know those. We know those folks. Oh, yeah, they, they're real. The old thrower-uppers. Those people exist. I like when the guys throw up and, they, and it's, like, normal, and then they go, okay, ready to go. And you're like, that was disturbing. Yeah. Uh, all right, joining us on the program right now, we appreciate him carving out some time, and of course, getting ready for fall cam- or for uh, spring ball to start up next week down at BYU. He is a defensive coordinator and assistant uh, head coach at BYU. Jay Hill joining us on the program. Jay, thanks for being with us. Yeah, heck yeah. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're it's doing a, amazing. It's a fantastic Friday. Great to have you, Jay. Uh, we're yeah. like we're wondering about spring football because every year I try to figure out how how important it is how big of a deal it is and every year it might be different based on the needs the replacing that's going on the transfer portals introduce something it has become a totally different beast from the time that i think that uh i, I mean you tell me how much different is it now in 2023 versus even five years ago and when you're trying to get guys going uh you know during spring ball during your time as a head coach well i think it's always been important i still think it's important um, each team is different. Like you said, you know, sometimes you have a veteran team and maybe you focus mostly on your young guys and getting them developed. So you have good depth. Um, this year for us is super important to BYU because we have new quarterbacks on offense. We've got an entirely new defense, uh, to install and to make sure the guys learn. So, uh, this year it's super important for us. Uh, what went into your decision to uh, decide to go to BYU and become the defensive coordinator? A lot. Um, it was <laughs> it was it, it was Kalani. Um, the conversations I had with him, I thought was big. It was BYU and the program was huge. Just knowing they were going into the Big Twelve and the potential. Uh, BYU's always been special in football, but now you put the Big Twelve behind them. I think it's it's got a chance to really blow up. Uh, having the opportunity to work with a lot of coaches that I had worked with before, you know, Coach Roderick, Steve Clark, Fessy Sitake, Al Papunu, those guys are all on the offensive side of the ball. And then, uh, you know, on, on the defense, another thing that was exciting to me was to be able to hire my own staff and to put the guys together that we were able to put together. I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite staffs I've ever been a part of. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. 
In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. And there, it was a massive coup to get some of the names that you have when you've sat down in these meetings already and you guys look at the, at the group that you have. What excites you the most about this 2023 season and these guys you have on that defensive side of the football, Coach? Well, I, I think what excites me the most is what we can become. As I watch these guys recruit, you know, Sione Puha, Kelly Pupinga, Justin Anna, and and Gennaro Guilford, those four guys are phenomenal recruiters. And you put the BYU name behind those guys and just everything the fan base is about. Uh, it's It's been great so far, and I'm excited to see what it can become because I think uh, the sky's the limit in recruiting um, with the world of NIL and, and our fans and everything else that's out there. I just think it can be super special. Uh, there have been reports uh, that uh, the negotiations might be breaking down or not getting quite what they uh, wanted in the Pac-12 as far as a media rights deal. And we're hearing rumors that uh, that the Big 12 is now talking to the four corner schools in the Pac-12, which are Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State. How would you feel uh, having Utah in the Big 12 and 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 resuming that rivalry between Utah and BYU. Well, I don't know that it's my place to speak on what they'll do or not do, but I, I do know this. I grew up playing in the rivalry. I grew up watching the rivalry even before I played in it, coached in it for many years, and I love it. I love the game. I love what it represented. Um, I love it for the fans and. Um, it's a crazy game. Everybody knows that. So I don't know that anybody has a crystal ball or can say what will happen or what won't happen. But uh, as far as that game, I love it. Um, as far as who they are up there, I mean, obviously I love those guys and that coaching mm-hmm. staff and what they represent. So there's just so many cool things about football in the state of Utah right now. Uh, off-season injuries for uh, two of your most notable linebackers, Ben Bywater and Max Tooley. Where are those guys at in terms of recovery? And is it the kind of thing where you go, hey, we're just going to take her easy in the spring here and make sure that we are going to get 100% right after some surgeries and things like that? And is it going to be kind of a normal timetable return? Because those two names are massive for you guys. And obviously, Coach Anna to be able to, uh, you know, dial those guys in. These are, these are guys who get 100-plus tackles over the last couple seasons apiece. You know, when they're, when they're healthy, that defense is really, really good. Well, it is a big deal for us because they are phenomenal players. I've yet to get to coach these guys, really. Uh, I've been around them. I was especially around Ben during the bowl game preparation. But I wasn't really 
uh, coaching had not established our scheme at all at that point, um, but got to watch him play and was super impressed with him. I was very impressed with Max, even back to the high school days. I got to see him practice one day in high school and thought he was a phenomenal player. Um, but yeah, we need those guys back. And uh, I think them doing their rehab and us taking the proper timing is critical. But also, those guys got to get back on the field because it's a brand new defense for them, too. And although they're learning it right now, they need the opportunity to be in there engaged in the practice and seeing it how we want them to see it and really to coach them the way we want to coach them. So you've, you mentioned recruiting and, and your guys on defense and how great they do uh, in recruiting. And you recruited at Utah when you coached there. And you had special challenges when you were at Weber State and just did a phenomenal job up there. Now that you're at BYU and the perception out there is that BYU is a hard place to recruit. You know, you have the honor code. You have different issues that uh, there's this perceived challenge in recruiting. Now that you've been there, um, how how accurate is that? Uh, is it more myth than it is reality? What what has been your experience with recruiting at BYU? Well, I think it's all a matter of perception, right? If people want to try to spin things in a negative, they can. I've never been that kind of person. I have not seen that necessarily so far at this point. Are there going to be guys out there that might uh, not come to BYU because of some of the things you mentioned? Probably. But at the same time, there's going to be guys, you know, four or five-star guys that come here because it is BYU. And we will have a shot at them only because it is BYU. And so I would say more than not, the, the number of guys we get will far outweigh the number of ones that we don't. And then we have to do a phenomenal job with those ones that maybe aren't acquainted with the church um, and getting them lured here. And then more than anything, we got to do a great job of making sure that the kids that are members of the church or the ones that grow up in Utah and understand what BYU football is, we got to do a phenomenal job of recruiting those guys to the program, to the fan base, and to what BYU is and has been. BYU assistant head coach, defensive coordinator Jay Hill joining us on Unrivaled. Uh, we've had Kalani on this program a, a bunch of times. We've talked to him and that energy he brings, and that's something special, obviously, to be able to invite you and to make it, you know, that pitch for you to come down to BYU. I think people, his character speaks for himself for the reason that guys like going there. What were the things that you immediately came in and thought, okay, I'm going to put my J. Hill fingerprints on this? What's something that you went in and you went, not, not necessarily to be like they weren't doing this well enough or whatever, but you were, you're saying, I want to come in and I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z. What was kind of something you did right off the bat? I'm trying to think of me, you know, what, what what kind of my signatures are, what I want our players to be. I want them to love football. And so that was something I tried to put into those guys right away is how do you get to have the intrinsic motivation where you love football? And a lot of that comes from knowledge of the game. So getting right away, teaching them football, understanding of football, I think was huge getting the team even closer knit than they already were, I think is a big part of intrinsic motivation. And then trying to give them ownership of not only the team, but of their own personal development, I think is huge. And where that starts reflecting where I've already seen things is grades start increasing or our academics have got better already. I see a little bit more juice and excitement in the weight room than I did. Uh, we just hit some huge maxes the other day. Uh, I was watching those on week. Twitter. I was watching those on Twitter, Coach. I mean, I was like, 
My heavens, that's when those uh, blood vessels in the eyeballs pop out on those uh, 650-pound <laughs> squats, some, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the one, the, there, there's been some phenomenal gains that we're starting to see. And, again, a lot of that is just maybe just some new blood and new uh, breath in, in what we're doing. And a lot of it is, you know, uh, aligning Kalani's vision with my vision with uh, Coach Roderick's vision on offense. I, I've seen – I've seen some new juice just with the discipline and structure. And that's always been the things that I prided myself on was the structure, the discipline, the toughness that the teams we had at Weber State always had. And, you know, a lot of that goes back to giving credit to Coach Whittingham, what I learned from him and giving credit to, you know, Ron McBride, Gary Anderson, uh, Urban Meyer, the coaches I've been around in the past. Those guys were all phenomenal at just the details, the discipline, and the structure of the game. And, um, you know, that's all we've been trying to instill is the things that obviously I had learned as a young coach and had the opportunity to, to put in practice when I was up at Weber State. Yeah, you, speaking of Weber State, I mean, you did a tremendous job up there. What was the key to your success? What were the things you were actually doing that, that caused you to have that success? Well, recruiting, I mean, first and foremost, it always starts with the players. We have great players. They have great players there now. And I, I fully suspect that they're going to do really good going forward because, I mean, I watch the same thing. You're talking about Twitter and some of the films and things that, that they post on online, and those guys look primed <laughs> to have another great year. So it all starts with them. We were able to recruit to a really good institution and a good place. I had phenomenal coaches. While I was there, um, those nine years I was there, I probably lost 13 or 14 guys to Power 5-type schools. So uh, I was truly blessed with great assistant coaches. And then that's one more thing is uh, one of the hardest things to do is to leave that coaching staff because they have great coaches there right now. And I, I think it, that, it was just a combination of that, players, coaches, administration, the schools easy to recruit to and – um, they really did support the heck out of what we were trying to do. Jay Hill joining us on Unrivaled here. Coach, as you get going and spring kind of fires up, what's the thing that excites you the most? I mean, and, and what are you guys able to do with guys this time of year versus what you're not able to do in terms of how much time you can spend, how much coaching you can do, and then when it gets cut off again at the end of spring? Well, I'm excited for a new challenge. Uh, the Big 12 is exciting to me. The huge stadiums we're going to go into, the you know the prestige of the Big 12, and and just the opponents that we're going to be playing, uh, the caliber of teams that we'll be playing. I mean, having Oklahoma coming into the Edwards Stadium next year is exciting, and going to the University of Texas and some of these other places that we're going to be playing. Uh, that that's exciting to me. I know what it is for the players, and getting ready for those caliber games um, is exciting. I. I, if there's one thing I really did miss was the the huge stadiums, the big atmospheres. Uh, I did miss that a little bit when I was at Weber State. Uh, once the ball was kicked off, it was college football at a high level. But that, the atmospheres that we're going to get in the Big 12 will be uh, super exciting to me. And then, you know, some of the challenges, obviously, that we face are getting this new defense put into place. It's a very uh, detailed and complicated defense. Uh, to learn and um, so getting that stuff in place is one of the big challenges one of the things they do allow us to do now is we can do walkthroughs leading up to spring ball um, it's pretty limited on you know the speed and tempo and things that you can do with it um, but 
they are opportunities to at least have introduced the players to what we're going to be doing before they have to do a practice one. Can it be like speed a speed walkthrough? <laughs> speed walking <laughs> yeah, walkthrough. They've actually let up on a lot of the rules. You know, you can have 11 on 11 now. You can actually have a oh, football wow. out there for walkthroughs. And so, you know, some of the things that were so strict and stringent before, they have let up on a little bit. Um, but, you know, they, you obviously can't have pads. You can't do anything with any equipment. or So there's restrictive things now. Yeah, the biggest thing that restricts you is you have an eight-hour rule, and so much of our time right now goes to uh, each week is goes to uh, strength and conditioning. So there's just not that much time to get on the field and do that. Now, starting next week on on uh, Monday, then we go into 20-hour work weeks where we can have those guys a lot more and start doing a lot more football. Coach Jay Hill, uh, you know I'm excited about too is actually uh, having an open to the public uh, spring game as well on the schedule, having that stadium open again. That'll be really fun for you guys too. Oh, heck yeah. They said uh, last year for the alumni game, they had tens of thousands of people <laughs> there for the alumni game. You know, you get Steve Young and some of those those greats coming back and playing quarterback and doing some of those things. I hope we can get the right guys back because obviously BYU's uh, history and and just the prestige of the program and everything. I'm mean, I'm excited to see who will come back and play in that, and I'm excited to get going. Obviously, the 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 spring game will be fun. I promise it'll be good for the fans. I hope we get good weather for that game because we we fully suspect that we'll have a great turnout for it. Yeah, I I had to do the, the sidelines for those for the radio broadcast, and we've had bad weather. We've had amazing weather. We've had overtime games. It's the kind of stuff that it can be uh, an awesome experience for those fans. Coach Jay Hill joining us. We're excited uh, to see uh, spring football fire up for everybody across the state, including you guys next week. Good luck with everything, Coach. We'll talk with you again. Okay, appreciate it. You too, guys. There you go. There's uh, Coach Jay Hill. Man, that guy loves uh, his, his job, doesn't he? Yeah, and I mean, you have to just be super impressed with what he did at Weber State, and um, they're they're doing things that they're confident in, and they know work, you know, and and that's so much of it is just that belief and having something you believe in, and uh, it'll it'll be exciting to see where where it all goes. Uh, I'm just fascinated with recruiting. Yeah, it's you know, because because I know it changed at Utah when they went to the Pac-12. It was like you just you had access to players you just never got before, and. I wonder how much that has changed for BYU now and and how, how that will continue to develop in the future. All right. Uh, let's uh, get back out to the. Uh... Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.